0: This is February 6th, really hard to believe 2022, most of us didn't think we were going to make it past Y2K and here we are 22 years later, man, time flies when you're having fun, but it sure seems to go slow in this last year, hasn't it? Well, uh, All of our notes got erased. I I just rewrote the seven deadly sins because this is an introductory course in hamartiology, which is this formal systematic division of studying sin. Everybody's a theologian. You need to know that. Uh, People make, not a good theologian, people make up their own stuff on the fly. Just ask them. You know, do you think you're going to heaven? Oh yeah, man, you'll hear it. Boy, they just manufacture it right off the top and uh, doesn't make much sense, makes sense to them, but it always ends up with them looking good somehow. That's the, <laughs> that's the amazing thing about self made up. Uh, but these people have no doctrine of sin. Sin doesn't even exist. Sin is so relative. Uh, well maybe that's for some people long ago and far away but not for us but we believe in the Ten Commandments do we not? Yes. This being our last conclusion uh, our last study and a conclusion of the last two that are left over we're going to consider honoring our mother and father and thou shalt not m- murder or kill and obviously don't kill your parents that would be good to (laughs) who would have thought would ever even have to say that but uh uh, what a folks we're living in a sick world sin is really a problem and it just seems to be getting worse let us pray together that this uh, study will find a place in our heart Lord, help us to take your commandments seriously. Lord, help us not to take your grace for granted. But as we hear of the thunders and the lightnings and the earthquakes and the, these ways that you manifested your presence, Lord, that people would fear you, I pray, Father, that we would take your word seriously and live lives that are glorifying to you. Lord, let us live lives that are pleasing to you, that we may hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, help us to live for that and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Really, what else, what else matters? Well, as all of these commandments are restated in the New Testament, honoring your father and mother is restated by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 1, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. And uh, I think I have this written later in my notes. You know, this happens every week. I have stuff written later in the notes and I end up mentioning it first and it's, it's just, uh, I'm just so excited to, to share these things with you. By the way, I had such a weird, freaky dream last night. You know, I'm I'm always nervous about presenting these because I want to leave you with something that you will remember, and, and I'm always nervous that it's, it's not going to come out good. Boy, last night I had a dream. I couldn't find the church. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm driving around downtown, and everything looked weird. It was, it was you know, and it, dreams are weird and bizarre, and uh, <laughs> couldn't find a bathroom while I'm looking. It's just, you know, these these, these are real things that we can all identify with, you know. <laughs> and you're so glad when you wake up and everything's okay. And, uh, but I'm glad I found it this morning. But, you know, man, it, it, it's just so weird the way these things, uh, the way these things have a, an effect on us. So uh, the Apostle Paul adds to this restatement of honoring our mother and father to uh uh, you know children obey your parents and the Lord, and then he says fathers don 't provoke your children to wrath, which is a an interesting little addition and as I said as i as I work my way down through uh, through this haphazard outline what we have here we 'll we'll make mention of that. There was a story that was told I want to start with of uh, an older man slowly wearing away with uh, early onset of Alzheimer's and dementia and he had the, the the tremors and other things and he he had to move in with his uh with his son and daughter-in-law and they had one small child and uh he really didn't have any place else to go and It's a sad story and you know he'd, he'd, his tremors would cause him to drop his food and and the woman was uh uh, the way the author described her, she, she was a modern woman, whatever that is, but she, uh, she didn't have much, much time. She really didn't think that uh, her home was a place where her in-laws ought to be living, and here she is stuck with this older man with the tremors, and finally she, you know, because he would uh, accidentally disturb things around the table, she sat him over in the corner and even gave him a, a wooden bowl so when he dropped it, it wouldn't break, and it's just a sad, just a horrible thing. And uh, not too long after that, the, their, their young son was out playing in the yard and they found him whittling away on a hunk of wood. And the father said, son, what are you working on there? He said, I'm working on a bowl so I could feed you. <gasps> yeah. Things changed in that house. Uh, we may not always reap what we sow immediately, but we know that as a guaranteed law of God that we will reap what we sow. And it doesn't mean that if we dishonor our parents that our kids will dishonor us, but it could certainly happen. And uh, boy, I'm glad that uh, I saw my parents honoring their parents and I'm glad our kids saw us honoring our parents. And uh, you know, even if your parents may not have been worthy of honor, and, you know, we just can't presume that everybody grew up in a house where, you know, we, we, our, our parents were so great, we loved them and honored them all the time. I had that benefit, but I've known other people in my ministry that did not have that benefit. But yet I saw the blessings of God on people who, after they were converted and after they established their personal relationship with the Lord, and they honored their parents, which didn't deserve to be honored, you know, it relieves us of that load of carrying that grudge. Man, that's a nasty thing to be dragging around, you know, always just the grudge. You know, uh, you know. You hear people talk about, oh, you don't want to make me mad. I don't forget, you know, and, uh, and they may come to church and pray the Lord's prayer. Lord, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive those. And uh, how much of a ritual and a dead routine it becomes, if that isn't a real part of our life where we can forgive people. So when people, especially children of parents that may not be deserving of, uh, of honor do it anyway, it's, uh, it, it's something that really honors the Lord. It shows that because of their forgiveness, they're able to forgive people that even don't deserve to be forgiven. But for those of us, I could speak personally, uh, that wasn't a problem for me. Boy, I've, I had parents that were uh, <laughs> much better than I deserved, for sure. So we see a breakdown in our social order. <coughs> Disrespect is a major cause and effect. We see it happening all the time, works hand in hand. And we need no other reason to honor our parents than this commandment. <laughs> I'm pretending that it's still written on the board, but <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about. <laughs> that commandment, that was there. <laughs> and the one that followed it immediately, thou shalt not uh, kill or commit murder. Uh, Joy Davidman, the woman that I've been quoting from throughout this study, who uh, wrote this very interesting, boy, what a high literary standard. You know, you, She was C.S. Lewis's wife, and uh, what a just high i mean i read her and feel so stupid i i I just i i do i I read her and say man i i've never talked like this it's just just so high such a high literary standard but uh, on her commentary it's really not a commentary it's just kind of an ongoing narrative that she writes just making some comments about these commandments she writes from personal experience when she says that uh, in communism, and by the way, she was, she was, uh, she was born into a Jewish family, uh, became, uh, well, I guess it wasn't an Orthodox, Jew, you know, it was kind of a cold, dead, you know, just nominal Jewish family, and then became a communist after that. And then after that, she converted to Christianity. But she has a wide, a, a real wide birth of understanding. And what she says about the Communist Party is that they deliberately weaken family ties because they don't want family loyalty to be conflicting with the devotion to the state. Now, as I was reading that and thinking about that, I got a real uneasy feeling of uh, what we see happening in our country now. this commandment of children honoring their parents seems to be, there seems to be an attempt to systematically dumb that down or, or devalue it. It's as if our government, they want to control our kids. They don't want our parents to honor us. They want to tell them what to do. And I mean, you know, we've seen this in the last couple of elections, you know, just what happened in Virginia and, and things that are happening now with school board meetings. I mean, who would have ever thought that, you know, school board meetings would turn into... Uh, riot zones. And, it, it, pe- pe- and, and, and people have just cause to be upset about a lot of this stuff that's going on. And uh, how long has this been going on where, uh, she, a lot of us can remember, we, we were growing up, that school nurse couldn't even give us an aspirin unless they checked with our parents. Now they'll give you vaccines. Kids could get abortions without parental uh, uh, consent. It's, it, it's, it's, and it seems to be I'm not going to turn this into a social commentary and a political thing, but it just seems to be that the government's just taken a little bit too much of a uh, reach into our family and our kids. And that should upset us. Yes. What was that? Why did you have to say that? That's, that's <laughs> that's true. She said we gave it to them and... <laughs> The, yes, the big we, not the little we. We're the little we. We're the little we that are protesting it. But yes, there is a big we. that, uh, And you know, it's, it's disturbing that there's a lot of little we's out there that are sure pulling a whole lot of political weight, more so than uh, what we would call normal people. I'm including you in that crowd of normal. Because, you know, in normal people, you know, we we think that uh, we should believe the Bible and that parents should uh, uh, be good to their kids and their kids in return should uh, honor their parents. Now there's this, uh, an amended promise in this commandment as we read it concerning our days being long upon the land. The Lord uh, gave them a land, the promised land that they were gonna go into. And when he gives this commandment, you know, children, honor your parents you know, that your lives may be long into this land. It, it was absolutely critical that uh, there would be social and family and domestic order as they moved into this, uh, this new land. By the way, before I forget, I talked to Ron Baker this morning. He told me to tell you, Don, that uh, that was a good day when you visited him. Uh, he slipped. Please forgive this aside, but I, I, I told Ron that I would share this uh, Ron Baker, uh, he slipped not too long ago and uh, messed up. He's got stenosis and, and he's going to be having surgery again, I think this Tuesday. But uh, he told me to tell you and everyone else, God is good all the time. He said, we're Christians. We keep on going. And uh, just a, such a sweet spirit. I I love that guy so much. But he told me to tell you, Don, that that was a, a good day that you visited. And uh, he said he's had some pretty rough ones since then. H- his wife, her, her Alzheimer's uh, is, is still progressing, but Ron is just as calm and as cool and collected as he could be. And uh, before I forget, I just wanted to, wanted to share that. So uh, yeah, juvenile delinquency wasn't gonna be tolerated back in the promised land and it shouldn't be now we have a, a, a new member here in our church. Maybe you've seen a big, big, tall guy. He, he goes by J.K. Jonathan King is his name. And uh, Ron worked with him in Indonesia. Sharp guy, theologian. I mean, he, he's a real theologian. And uh, I remember uh, when we were going through the, uh, you know, the process of becoming members together, he and his wife, and my wife and I. And uh, his wife uh, grew up, I think, in Singapore in, in a Hindu family. And, uh, and, and I said to her, I said, you know, I said, I've heard Singapore is such a beautiful place. You know, there's no graffiti. You can't even throw gum on a sidewalk. And I said, I like what they do. I, I heard this about Singapore. I said, I like what they do. You know, if they catch kids, kids with you know, graffiti or something, they, they cane them, which is a good, uh, I think it's a great program. But, <laughs> uh, and, and, and when I said that, she said, you sound just like my father. So uh, dads. We have similar, similar opinions. Well, uh, Moses and, and Moses speaking for the Lord. Uh, we're not going to take the time to read this, but in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 18 through 21. Good way to remember this. 21, that's the age when we become adults. Deuteronomy 21, 18 to 21. You know, those are ages where usually people are somewhat a rite of passage. So we can remember Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21 lays out uh, in very quick and blunt terms capital punishment i mean you know <laughs> this is my son he's a drunken and a glutton a, a, a drunkard and a glutton and we take him out of town and stone him to death now that's a little bit harsh i think i'd i'd want to pray for my son first <laughs> but it would kind of be nice to have that leverage to hang over him boy <laughs> you know you better straighten out It'd be kind of nice if we had that but now you know we uh we don't have anything kids know that they could get away with whatever they want. There's really no reason. As far as our culture and our society, they have no reason at all to honor their parents. They just, eh, they just, they just totally disregard them. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, what we read in the Old Testament among ancients like Job, uh, children were a mark of wealth. Men were considered poor until they had a son. Barren women, as you know, were considered cursed. You know we don't put that on women now but uh, patriarchs had all power over their children and I'm just going to make a couple of passing references here we're not going to get into this I'm glad that Dr. Skates is here today Dr. Moore is here because uh, I'm going to mention a couple of things and if you have any questions you could ask them <laughs> after the after this thing is over but uh, you know just to show you how much power the patriarchs had over their children you know we read about Abraham taking Isaac up to sacrifice him, even though he didn't do it, but uh, nobody questioned that, and especially in the case of Jephthah's daughter. That's why I'm glad these guys are here. (laughs) Ask Dr. Skates. He'll explain the whole thing about Jephthah (laughs) sacrificing his daughter. I'm glad to hear, you know, there's things that we uh, just have a hard time wrapping our head around, but it goes to show how the ancients had such power over their children, they could pretty much do whatever they want. So, it's as if the children really had a kind of an inner built-in motivation to honor their mother and father because they know what would happen to them if they didn't. Well, things changed by the time of the New Testament writing when Paul wrote to the Ephesians because that's when he adds uh, adds to this commandment, fathers not provoking your children to wrath. And this adage still applies. Maybe you've heard there is kind of an ulterior motive. Uh, be good to your kids; <laughs> they're, they're going to pick your nursing home. So it's just a good thing to have on the on the back burner there. Um, but my daughter's here. <laughs> Remember your dad. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> so, so blessings. Follow, honoring parents. And as I said before, even when parents are not deserving, uh, those who've honored undeserving parents are blessed for their godly obedience. And then also uh, we read in uh, Ezekiel chapter 22, we're not gonna take the time to read this either, but one of the reasons of the, uh, one of the contributing factors to the Babylonian exile was a failure of the younger generation to honor their parents. So there's all kinds of bad things that happen. And uh, uh, when, when parents are dishonored, they're disobeyed, or in any way disregarded. You know, young people have a, a phrase that they use nowadays, and, you know, we should be up with the culture and know what they're saying. But whenever you hear people talking about somebody being dissed, that, that's what they mean, dishonored, disregarded, uh, disobeyed in any way. That's how young people uh, talk about it. Uh, I ah, just diss my parents. Uh, it's very disrespectful and not, uh, not a good thing to do. And there's a commandment, which used to be right there. Don't do it. <laughs> do not. Or it, it's one it's honor your mother and father. And I could say in memory, my dear parents, boy, they deserved it. I'm very, very thankful. And you know, the thing, you know, let's, let's wax reformed here a little bit for a moment. Good thing to do in a church like this. Uh, I've wondered, and I don't know if you've ever had one of these times of deep meditations, why was God so good to me to allow me to be born into the parents that I had? I had nothing to do with it. You know, uh, you know, self, selfish, self-aggrandizing pride is so stupid and ridiculous. I mean, who could really brag about that? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get on a little dangerous ground here, but sometimes you hear people bragging about their Texas heritage. I'm a third, fourth generation, not born here. Yeah. People are proud about everything. You know, they're they're proud about their denominational heritage. Yeah, I'm Baptist born, Baptist bred, when I die I'll be Baptist dead. You know, they're just they're so proud of their Baptist heritage. Here's a good time to slip in something you might find amusing. <laughs> I heard a story about a Southern Baptist revival, and if you've ever been to one, I mean you know think it, man hey, them folks really get whipped up into a lather this evangelist was saying how many of you out there love jesus (sighs) everybody screaming how many of you glad to be southern baptist (sighs) ah they scream there's one little old lady sitting on a front row and the evangelist noticed that she just sitting there just you know nice and quiet and after the service he went down he said well little lady i wondered that when we was all glad we're southern baptist you didn't raise your hand she said no she said i'm a i'm a presbyterian and he said, really? He said, yes, she says, my, my late husband was a Presbyterian elder, my father was a Presbyterian deacon, and my grandfather was a Presbyterian theologian. And he said, well, little lady, he said, well, what would you be if all of your ancestors were morons? She said, I guess I'd just be a Southern Baptist like the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs> I was. And we're not over it yet. Well, I was also. I was also. I knew there was one. There's a lot of But, but, but I, f- full disclosure, even though I was, I was born and raised into a Baptist family, I really didn't pay much attention as, as a kid growing up. But I do remember, I mean, I had the plan of salvation handed down to me on a silver, but pl- I always knew what I needed to do but the inner wayward prodigal maniac that was inside of me did not want to do it, and I'm so thankful that the Lord spared my life for the time that was needed until he completed what he did. And notice I'm saying he completed it. I can't say I, I, I. It's all about him, him, him. That reminds me of one other little thing I should share with you about pride. <laughs> this is my last Sunday here, so I've got to clean out all of all the material I have, you know, uh, pride, pride is really a horrible, damning thing. But why is it that people, you know, I was talking to people have Texas pride, you know, they're proud about the family they were born into. We had nothing to do with any of this. I heard this story. It's kind of a fable. (laughs) It's talking animals in it, so you know it's a fable. There was a swamp that was drying up, a beautiful swamp, and it was drying up because of a, a drought, and, and all of the creatures that depended on the water. They, you know, they said, man, what are we gonna do? I mean, the swamp's drying up, we're gonna die. Well, this frog had this idea. He said, man, I know what we're gonna do. He said, let's find us a long twig and we'll get one bird on one side and one bird on the other side. And us frogs, we're just gonna hang on to that twig and the birds are gonna fly us off to the other swamp where there's no drought. So they all started doing that, and they said, man, this is a great idea. So finally the frog, who thought of it, was one of the last ones out in this airlift, and he latches on, and the two birds take off, and the birds start talking to one another. They said, man, this is what a fantastic idea. And the frog is hanging, he's listening to it. He said, who thought of this? What a fantastic idea. And the frog just couldn't stand. He had to get the credit for it. And finally he said, ah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> get the idea there see when he said I did he okay I didn't say it was good material I just said I had I had some material that I had to clear out well on a heavier note here our last commandment that we're looking at thou shalt not murder why would we uh, have any issue with that we certainly wouldn't want someone to do that to us again the restatement in the New Testament first John chapter 3 verse 15. Now this is something Now this will get right down to where we live. You know, a lot of these commandments are things that, you know, we're not going to consciously do. I mean, hopefully not, you know, uh, hopefully you're not going to go out and plan on adultery or, or murder or stealing or lying, you know, or, or even uh, you know, some of them are a little bit more slimy and covet, you know. Uh, uh, subtle like covetousness and and even having other gods before him was oh i'd never do that but it's so such a subtle influence how these things of our modern culture push the one true god out of the way and the next thing you know we become functional uh, pagans and it's not a good thing to do but when it comes with something like thou shalt not murder first john 3 and 15. whoever hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now that ought to be enough to keep our attitudes right. All of us would go, well, I've never killed anyone. You know, usually when you're talking to someone who that self-justification kicks in, they say, well, you know, I try to live by the 10 commandments and then if you ask them how many of them they know maybe they can come up with two or three and they'll always say well at least they don't kill anybody you know as if this is the gold standard as long as you're not killing anybody you know you're okay with the lord and there's nine other commandments that we need to take very serious but one thing that we forget because it's so easy and it seems to be so common amongst mankind is hatred and it may not fire up that quick, but you know the grudges, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, that root of bitterness that we allow to grow in our heart. And we have heard people all of our life talking about someone else and they just, I hate them. I just hate them. I just can't stand them. And uh, well, according to what John says here, if you hate your brother, you're like a murderer. Hatred is one of those works of the flesh. You notice the contrast in the book of Galatians between the fruit of the spirit and the works of the flesh. Fruit just kind of grows. Aren't peaches and apples and oranges just wonderful? These trees just grow. The sovereign, creative majesty of God just hanging in this juicy fruit. And on the end of these branches, in them, seeds that'll grow a whole nother tree. I mean, I'm telling God, God is awesome, isn't he? (laughs) Come on, let's have ourselves a little glory spell here. God is glorious and awesome with all he gives us. Fruit, it just naturally grows. And when he describes the fruit of his spirit, it should grow as effortlessly as an apple or an orange. You know, we never hear orange as an apple saying, "Ah, God growing this skin is so hard no they just grow they just do what's in them to grow and christians should have the fruit of the spirit that should grow as effortlessly conversely when you consider the works of the spirit that sounds like sounds like a factory sounds like a foundry the works i grew up in a very industrial city where we had brass works and iron works and nickel works the works yeah, you drive by and you'd hear the, uh, the, uh, uh, the factory. Actually, I grew up right down the street from the pickle works. So, you know, the works. <laughs> we smelled them all the time. <laughs> still got a thing for dill pickles. I, it, just, it gives me a flashback from my youth. So, you know, the works are one thing. It has to do with labor. You know, the works of the flesh. It's as if we have to work on hating and you know, lusting and all these other things. It, uh, granted, they do come uh, a little bit too naturally, but it's still there are works and works require labor, and labor gets wages. And you know what the wages of sin is. It's death. So the main intent of this commandment here is obvious, not to slay. Uh, obviously, it doesn't have anything to do against, you know, military things or, or uh, self-defense. But, you know, we have to mention this one thing. And I'm so glad and blessed that our church, this church, has a sonogram on the property, and there's an RN that will talk to young girls that are considering this horrible, horrendous thing. You know, I'm not gonna say too much about abortion, but I am gonna tell you something that touched me in a very deep and profound way. And I would hope that it, if you saw this, what I'm gonna tell you about, that it had uh, an effect on you. Uh, Remember back before the last election, there during the Republican uh, convention, there was a woman who used to be the supervisor or the manager of a Planned Parenthood and she got up and she started talking about when she was involved in the process. I couldn't even watch. I had to leave the room. It got to me, man. I mean, it tore me a How horrible this is. And yet we've become so callous. If that isn't murder, I don't know how else we can describe how horrendous this thing is. The most innocent, vulnerable, form of life. They've got a heartbeat. They already have the color of their eyes. They got fingerprints, you know, just so shortly after conception. And uh, Jeremiah, the prophet said, I think it was Jeremiah who said, uh, we don't know how the bones form in the womb. I'm not sure that an OBGYN even can tell you exactly how bones form in that womb, but it's a, a miracle of God. And for people to callously just snuff that out. And you know why people do it? because of their selfishness and their pagan sex worship they just want to they don't want to do anything to prevent it they're like animals you know we've been told that we've been animals you know ever since they kicked prayer out of schools and I'm sure ever since the evolutionists have been pushing this animal thing well you're just an animal you know it's not your fault well the Lord holds us to a higher standard and we're not just animals but yet we see how people, when they leave their godly estate that the Lord created us for, we act worse than animals. Animals wouldn't abort their, their young. And you know, the, the Bible uses the example of a, a bear with whelps. You don't want to mess with them. They're going to protect them. I mean, even, even dogs protecting their, their puppies, cats protecting their kittens. It's just a, such a normal thing. Why is it in our life we will so readily and selfishly sacrifice our young. When our pastor, Bob Fuller, was teaching in this room the last semester as he was going through the book of Numbers, he mentioned the pagan worship of Moloch, which in that sacrifice to that false god, and he had a picture. He had a picture on his laptop up here of this big grotesque-looking thing, and people would offer their newborns and babies to be thrown into the fire in this pagan worship and you know we look at that and say oh how horrendous and yet we just turn our heads when it comes to abortion and you know without getting into details there are processes which how they eliminate how they kill in cold-blooded murder if there ever was cold-blooded murder that's got to be it in the womb of a mother it's just it's 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 beyond description well I think we're all in agreement here we agree with what the commandment says, thou shalt not kill. Now, I did tell you that I was going to give you a, a mnemonic device to remember these, these seven deadly sins, and I, I rewrote these on the board here. To remember these seven things, I mean, you, know, you can memorize them, greed, lust, I mean, some of them are, they're so prevalent in our culture and society, we see them worked out every day, greed, lust, anger, envy, pride, <laughs> gluttony, sloth, but as, when I was doing a series on this a couple of years ago, I was having a hard time remembering them, and I, 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 I uh, wanted to figure out well, what would be a good way that I could just get a handle and, and remember these. It's hard to remember abstract lists of words. I'm going to put something in your head right now. You'll always remember this if you want to. And here it is, a bow-legged cowboy. <laughs> right now... <laughs> I was going to try and draw one on the board, but you wouldn't want to see that. You can can picture one. Just picture a bow-legged cowboy. All right? As long as you see that, you can always remember these seven deadly sins. You ready? What is the thing about a bow-legged cowboy? He's got a gap in his legs. Oh, you see that. Okay, there it is. There it is. He's got a gap in his legs. There's your mnemonic device. (laughs) The bow-legged cowboy. Always remember it. Legs gap, gap in his legs. You can always remember, if you choose, if you want to remember. It's one of those things. So, uh, murder's bad. Agreed. Disrespect of parents is bad. You know, all of these things that we have looked over in a very quick, cursory manner. In conclusion right now, I'm just going to throw one thing at you that... Uh, It's pretty obvious, but I have to say it anyway. The real issue is, do you want to obey these things? You know, every service, every time, what Bob preached this morning, if you're going to go to the 11 o'clock traditional, you'll hear what he said. Uh, Always talking about the sacrifice, what Jesus did. And we, unless we're in a church, we lose the uh, a sight and the awareness of how horrendous and horrible sin is and that it was sin that nailed our Savior to the cross. We take it lightly. We take God's grace for granted. And when we started this study, uh, we read some of the background verses, of the thunderings and the lightnings and the earthquake. And God said, don't even let anybody catch a glimpse. They'll, they'll drop dead. I'm telling you, our God is a consuming fire. And it's serious business when people take the Lord lightly. Hebrews chapter 9, chapter 10, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Only God's people, only people of the book like us take stuff like that seriously. We're living in a world people could care less, but you are different, and you and I will also be held more accountable. I don't know how we can consider any of these Ten Commandments or any of these seven deadly sins and take them so lightly with say, ah, no big deal the Lord's going to forgive me. Those sins of presumptuousness, David addressed that in his 19th Psalm when he says, Lord, keep back my heart from presumptuous sins and let me be innocent of the great transgression. It would seem to me, and this is an opinion, but it's a somewhat educated opinion. I've been studying this stuff for all of my adult life. I can tell you, that sins of presumption have got to be some of the worst. The ones that when we're entering in, we might already feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but we say, ah, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Because they know the Lord's going to, you know, He's going to have me covered. I'm going to go to the service. We're going to have communion. We'll have silent confession. Now, ah, you know, I mean, you know, we fault our Catholic friends. They just go, da-da-bing, da, da, da-da-bang. They, you know, they go through that routine. They kneel, they stand. Protestants can be just as profane with our liturgy and our rituals, if we don't take it serious. So I think it'd be a good thing for us to take it serious. Next week, the series will be, Chris, you're gonna start this next week, is that correct? On wisdom literature and his book will be here and Dr. Skates will be filling in sometime. Some of those gonna be another tag team thing and we're looking forward to that. We need wisdom wisdom's the principal thing you know people say man if i had if i had a million dollars i could really live by faith man man, if you can't manage a hundred bucks that's in your wallet right now you'd probably blow a million if you had it what you need is wisdom to handle what you have right now and wisdom is what we will be exposed to later let's pray together heavenly father lord you're better than good you're more than wonderful your grace is amazing your patience And long-suffering with us, Lord, is such a wonderful thing. And I pray, Lord, that we would not take your grace and your mercies for granted. Help us, Lord, to tremble as we review these commandments in our daily devotions, whenever we come across them, Lord. Help us to take your commandments and your business seriously, we pray. In Jesus' name, we agree together. Amen. Amen and amen. So that's that. One other thing. You remember Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? That's one of the great rhetorical questions of Scripture. That's a good question, isn't it? <laughs> How can we not take God's here? How can we say, Jesus, you're my Lord, but yet I'm not going to do what you say? That's... I think about that all the time. I just thought I'd lay that on you too. God bless you. Lord will, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, and, uh, Thank you for your word. Awesome. You're very welcome. Thank you.